email us dead. Long live email. Dearly beloved, we have gathered together today to pay tribute to the incredibly profitable yet somehow dying medium of email. My name is Andrea Bridges-Smith, and I'll be your email grief counselor today. I think we all know that it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right, it's time to start making some predictions for next year. I think we can all agree that we're ready to put 2016 in the rearview mirror and start focusing on what comes next. One of my favorite things to do on this show is play futurist, so that's what we're going to do today. Before we get too much further, though, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by PostUp. We're the ESP with quite possibly the most kick-ass services team in the game. If you're looking at your email program and going, wow, this is a mess, visit postup.com to learn how we can take that hot mess and turn it into something fantastic. Now, let us gaze into the future with a man who is uniquely qualified to do so. Dearly beloved, today's guest is David Daniels from the Relevancy Group. If you're not familiar, the Relevancy Group is a research group specifically dedicated to the email marketing industry. That's right, we're such a big deal that we get our very own research firm. David really has a kind of bird's eye perspective on what the industry has been up to and where it's headed. So let's dive into the interview and see what he has to say. So David, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I'm sure we have lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, I know that uh, you are not necessarily the father of email, but maybe at the very least email's favorite uncle. Uh, So I thought that uh, you could take us through um, some predictions for next year. It's getting to be the end of 2016, uh, which I think a lot of people are glad about. Um, (laughs) And there's exciting things ahead next year. But before we get into that, let's, let's go back and talk a little bit about 2016. What was the most surprising thing that you saw in email marketing this year? Sure. Well, Andrew, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is fun to always be talking about email marketing. Indeed, I am uh, the the crazy uncle or the father of email marketing, or <laughs> however people want to refer to it. Uh, but 2016, one of the I think uh, surprising or, or more interesting things that we saw at the Relevancy Group, our research, was the rise of real-time marketing. So, in our annual buyer's guide survey, we asked people, this was a survey that we did in November, December of 2015, right? So we asked people about their aspirations for what they wanted to do in 2016. And and, uh, the third top highest response, a third of marketer, email marketers said, utilize real-time data. And so I was looking at that survey earlier today, and I also noticed that um, when we asked people about what they were using as a segmentation attribute or of the segmentation attributes that they were using, 19% at that point in time, about a year ago, said that they were u- utilizing real-time data, location data specifically for their marketing. So I would imagine that's coming through the likes of Movable Link and PowerBox and LiveClicker, those types of things, right? So changing offers at the time of open based on real-time data on location. So it'll be really interesting to see when we do that survey, which will be in the field in the next couple of weeks, of that third that we're aspiring to do real-time data, have we grow, how much more have we grown? I don't necessarily think we'll see from 20% of utilization to, say, 55% or something if we were to add those numbers together. But um, I think we'll see a significant jump because, you know, we've always said in marketing, right, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. 
But if that past behavior is now five minutes ago, an hour ago, a day ago, it's a much more predictor, a uh, better predictor of, of future behavior and much more meaningful tool to drive the relevance of that message. So I think that that's one of the more interesting or surprising things that we saw, you know, just catapulting to the top almost out of nowhere, right? Um, because in 2014, if we were asking people about their top priorities, it was, you know, it's still improving inbox deliverability and uh, trying to do dynamic content, really some of the, the more basic blocking and tackling types of things. Not that those things are not important, but uh, it just sort of shows, I think, the maturation of the, of the marketer, of the buyer over the last really sort of year or 18 months. So do you, is that what you attribute this, this rise in, um, you know, the, the, the sort of real time data, you know, do you, do you think it's because more micro marketers are getting exposed to it now and have some more experience with it and have seen the results or what do you attribute that rise to? Yeah, two, two things. I think the, the results are, are certainly there. And secondly, it's, it's easy to do, right? So it's probably harder to implement some sort of very, you know, complicated trigger campaign in in a in an ESP software, right? Mapping out that process and doing all those triggers, then looking to those solutions that plug into your ESP. And I, oh, cool! I just have to add a little bit of code here or there, and uh, nothing to totally dumb it down and make it that simple. But but right. it, it, it isn't. There's not a lot of sort of friction. Uh, many of those platforms charge on a uh, sort of a performance basis or, or when those people take action. So the upside there, right, is, you know, there's just not a lot of upfront investment. So I think that's also why we saw uh, more people uh, dabbling with that. And I know you, you, you all uh, have partners that in, in that space as well. And I'm sure you've seen some of that as well, the rise of that feature anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So we work with uh, Power Inbox and, you know, they're a terrific partner and their yeah. capabilities are fantastic. So yeah, we've, we've definitely seen some, some interest in that area for sure. Um, so let me ask you about, um, you know, email marketers. One of the things that always surprises me about email marketing is some people might not agree with this, but it seems like um, it changes very quickly. You know, there's this year, especially there's been a lot of change in email marketing. I think, you know, with um, kind of the capabilities recently that have opened up now that uh, Gmail has made some changes uh, and how they handle uh, queries and outlook, some of the things that they've changed. And there's so many kind of new things I feel like coming out, you know, like the, um, artificial intelligence and, you know, the real-time content, dynamic content, all these new things that are kind of coming along. So how do you think marketers are doing at keeping up with the pace of all of this change? Hmm. Well, I think there's, yeah, it's a challenge in that there's always something new. I, I agree with you. This year, I think we've seen, you know, more, more new uh, features or, or sort of a whole new sort of ecosystem. Again, Power Inbox, um, we work with them as well in, in, in that sort of whole ecosystem. But then the whole artificial intelligence and, you know, hugging the machines. So we, we've done some work with Frisado, uh, who does emotional-based uh, sort of semantics or perfecting your marketing message, whether that's the um, subject line or the body of the content. 
and um, we, we've done some research with them that, that indicates that it, that it works, right? Uh, certainly there's a cost to investing in more testing, but but the, the fact that, that their process is health machine learning. And so I think that there's leverage there, right? Which is which is what is exciting to marketers rather than, oh, you know, why don't marketers test that much, which is something that I've been you know, banging the drum about for, for, for uh, decades now. Um, you know, there's still only about a quarter, depending on the market segment, a quarter to a third of marketers that are testing. And part of that, I think, is because there's a lot of rework involved. Set up the tests, then you figure out which one works, and then modify the creative and all of that, right? So you have to go back to the beginning of the process. So I think the the changes where, where we're seeing people sort of hug the machines, if you will, um, that's the reason for it, because it is creating some, some efficiencies. Now, we asked um, in a survey that we did in April of this year, uh, would you utilize marketing content it was, if it was developed by machine algorithms and had a high likelihood to deliver ROI. And uh, uh, 55% said yes, they would test it. 25% right out of the gate just said, yep, we absolutely would. And then the, so the rest said we don't have budget or 8%, the smallest portion saying we don't trust machines. Mm-hmm. Now, we right, so we followed that up with a question, do you do you, have you actually used this in either your marketing or advertising efforts to, to utilize predictive recommendations based on machine learning? And so 38% of the market in that same survey in this in, in April said they're currently doing it. And another uh, little more than a third, 35%, saying they plan to implement it within the next 12 months. So I think, you know, by next, potentially by next spring or next summer, you know, it, it's going to be critical mass. And there's going to be, I think, a big difference between the haves and the have-nots as far as those that are really utilizing artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies to optimize their marketing versus, well, let's let's take it either don't do anything, let's just send it to everybody, the same message, or or the other half of the world that are doing some segmentation or some testing. So I, I think it's, you know, and you can't go it alone, right? You need, you need services expertise. I'm not suggesting that machines are going to replace the need for email agencies or, for, you know, services without an ESP. Those are going to be critical, and I think they become more important as these new technologies, you know, emerge. So just to clarify, robots are not necessarily coming to steal our jobs. <laughs> I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> we got a few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's very comforting. Okay. <laughs> so then let's, uh, let's go ahead and leave 2016 in the rear view mirror. It's been a, a long, strange year, and I think we're all ready to do that. Let's talk about next year. Um, <laughs> what are some of the big things that you see coming to play in the email ind- marketing industry next year? So uh, it sounds like for example, artificial intelligence is going to be one for sure. Are there any other kind of big trends that you expect to, to see emerging? Yeah, so great question. So definitely the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and as well as I was mentioning earlier, sort of that the greater utilization of real-time data. We're big believers in, at the relevancy group, we've been researching this for the past probably two years, 
just to do some of the research that we put out here on it is the notion of identity management or people-based marketing, right? As, as it's more maybe commonly referred to. So if you, if you think about historically where we've come from, right? We, it's, it's sort of, a, we're looking backwards when we do our segmentation. It's a sort of longitudinal CRM data. It's very historical. What, what's their, or if I'm a retailer or even a publisher, what's their recency or frequency sort of score as far as their either engagement or, or spending with me? And that's fine. That's all great. Bedrock, of, you know, database marketing, demographics, and all those things. But we've now moved into this period. I think this year has been more of the, the, the sort of the, what we've been talking about, like contextual marketing, right? It's event-based. It's real-time. And it can be predictive, right? So... It knows the location because 70% of people are opening their messages on their mobile phone. Yeah, a third of consumers use that as their primary email device, their primary shopping device, their phone, right? So that gives us a lot more information about them, you know, specifically location. But it could also be event-based data like, like weather, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the period we're in now. But where we're going to is mapping that identity of the consumer across all channels. So we're following that individual time together the sort of the ad tech side of the, the world, the advertising side of the world, and the martech side of the world, something that we at the relevancy group call mad tech. No, no <laughs> there. Nice. Yeah, thank you. That just happened. <laughs> um, so but the mad tech is what we're sort of seeing as the underpinnings of the technology that will bring us people-based marketing. So we're really what we're talking about here is marketing to people on an individual level. And Andrew, if, if I know you, you bought those shoes from my website, let's say, I can utilize that data, dropping me a dropping a cookie and everything, so that as I follow you around the internet, you're not going to see that ad for shoes anymore. Exactly. I might just suppress I, you completely or show you a different ad, right? <laughs> well, the, the th- can you yes. relate? Yes, because this exact thing happened to me recently. So somebody was on Facebook and they were saying, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Does anybody have any advice? So I gave them some advice. Um, they were looking for you know, ideas for equipment. So I copied the link from the microphone that I had bought on Amazon and pasted it. And then as I traveled around the internet, both on my mobile device and on my desktop, I kept seeing ads for this microphone that I'd already bought. (laughs) And it was so, (laughs) so you're smart enough to know that I, you know, have seen this and I'm interested in it, but you're too dumb to know that I purchased it. And it was so infuriating. I was like, come on, mad tech, you should be smarter than this. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, and I think that's where we're headed. And, you know, some people, you know, there was a, an email innovations conference this past year in, in Las Vegas, the McCloskey's event, and I'll be speaking at that again in the spring, I guess it is. And, it, and it's, you know, it's a new event, but it's about email innovation. So I was there speaking about, or, or actually Nick Einstein from our, our firm was there speaking about this very topic as an emerging topic with with some vendors and some clients, there was a, a brand that was actually starting to do these things and doing, you know, placing their, their ad buys this way and really managing their customer data that way, which was creating efficiencies for them, right? Because they weren't, they didn't have to spend on things that were wasteful, but then also I think the client's going to like it because your case in point, I mean, we see that all the time, right? I just bought that. Don't show me ads for that. It, it, uh I was doing some sweater shopping last night. Same exact thing happened to me. After I bought the sweaters, I went to Facebook and I saw ads for the, the, the very site I had just left. Right. right? 
so, so silly. So yeah, so that's the premise. But just back to that conference, when I was there, we were speaking about it. Some people in the email industry were like, oh, this is just more phraseology. This is just, isn't this one-to-one marketing? And if you think about the promise of one-to-one marketing, I mean, in fact, it is. But as email marketers, let's be honest with ourselves. We've never been able to do that, whether unless it was maybe a triggered message but in a very micro manner. When we do segmentation, we segment to sort of cohorts, you know, all the blue-haired people or the, we've never really with email marketing done one-to-one messaging. Again, potentially if it was the trigger or in something like that, but it's not in a, in a high volume way. These technologies are, are new and allow us to actually get the people at the individual level and do it efficiently rather than, could you imagine creating a segment in any ESP's tool of one-to-one? It just... It's not an efficient process, right? Right. So I think I think that that's exciting to me in 2017, where we'll see more of the, the, the merging of the experience, and I think consumers are will you know will appreciate it. Yeah, that would be nice if we could uh, figure that out. Um, <laughs> I, and I think you bring up kind of an interesting thing, which is you know pulling all of these data sources together into a single thing. I know that that's that's something that we've started to hear more about from our customers. So uh, we have one customer that pulls in data from Google Analytics, um, you know, where they have all these conversions set up on their website, and they have been able to tell exactly how much money they make from every email they send. Like they have a little report there that incorporates that data and tells them, okay. After this email sent, here's how many conversions came from that email. And it's stuff like that is like the holy grail, you know, pulling in all those data sources of, you know, what they did on social, how they, you know, responded to emails, the things that they've looked at on Google, you know, pulling that all together into some sort of something that's usable, you know, something where you're not (laughs) manually trying to figure out how to contact that person next. Um, If we can figure that out, then... That would be huge, right? And then, and then add into that then the machines, right? So, are there patterns in any of that? And and you can even include, say, customer servicing data. I know, I know, you all work with a lot of publishers, so you know, uh, renewal data around subscriptions and magazines and things like that. Are there a set of people that are more way to subscribing earlier, doing an early renewal versus those people that you have to chase? All those things, right? And when you have all that data together in one place, it makes it much more manageable to put it into a machine to say, figure that out for me, James. What is the pattern, right? Right. Um, and James is the name of my robot. I just want to make that clear. The robot that's stealing your job? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the, 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 the data blunder. <laughs> I've li- I like that you've uh, made friends with it and have accepted that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you have to embrace change. I mean, right. And, and I think that's, that's, that's a lesson or a prediction, right, for, for 2017 or just in life in general. Those that can manage change are going to be much more successful than those that don't so i would i would say to all our our listeners here all your listeners uh, that's going to be key because some of these things coming together also can create organizational change and and the smart organizations that are breaking down the barriers between hey this is email versus display versus social versus retargeting here or whatever like no it's the customer marketing experience right so breaking down those barriers and um 
which you know entails a lot of change. Not everybody's favorite topic, but I, I do think really important that again the, the haves versus the have-nots. Uh, the people that are going to be successful are those that are going to be able to embrace that. So that kind of leads me to my next question. Let's let's go even farther into the future than next year. Uh, you know, we'll pick some year in the future uh, where utopia might happen. Do you have any predictions on when that'll be? Probably like well, I think that twenty thirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not too far. Um, we, I think we have a slide somewhere where we made a prediction for this. And I'm just trying to remember. I think we were saying 2018 to 2019 around this whole notion of the the mad tech, the world's coming together. We've already seen certainly a lot a lot of things via acquisition, right? Uh, marketing companies buying advertising companies and vice versa, like sort of the alignment of the the mad tech world. Those those, those mergers are are occurring now, and occurred really this past year. So when you think about how long is it going to take those vendors to productize and get their stuff together, right? That could be a good year or two. But consumption can be happening in parallel, but until that stuff is really truly all talking together and is simple and easy to use, you know, I, I think that, that that type of adoption of things I was talking about is probably, you know, still a few years out. And again, it involves organizational change because a lot of the things I'm talking about are in different buying, different budgets, right? They're in different buying centers, which is why I think there's never been one software vendor other than Microsoft that has ever won a complete suite war, and that was Office, and that was because they put it on every PC that shipped, and they were able to take down, you know, WordPress and, and uh, all the other competitors back in the late 80s and early 90s. But if you think about business technology software, you know, and there's obviously billion-dollar companies out there, but they don't, buyers don't buy everything from one vendor, right? It's, it's a very much a best-of-breed world. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's you're right. And I think that's going to continue to be that way again because budgets and buying centers are fragmented. But yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take it, probably to the next election cycle. Let's say like four years. How about that? This time, four years from now, when we're, we're ready for the next election, it'll be all solved by then. How about that? <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Does that also go for the country, or can we can we look forward to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing. A, I'm doing a webinar on Wednesday about post-election uh, results, specifically around consumer spending oh. and if their candidate won or not. How it will affect their holiday spending and. Uh, not so much of a spoiler alert, but not so much. There's some parties and some demographics where it rules more than others, but overall, it's not that associated with the holiday spending. So I guess we can be, be safe that regardless of the outcome, holiday spending will still, I think, be strong this season. Okay, great. So uh, you've given us a lot of hope today. Um so email and all of the world's problems will be solved by the time of the next presidential election. That's very comforting. Uh, robots are not going to steal our jobs, except for James, who has already stolen yours. Uh, and he sounds pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, sounds like there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. <laughs> Indeed. You know, but, but it, it's not that easy. Right? So I think one of the things, and, and, and something that you all in your, your platform I know have done a lot with in terms of uh, 
post up with analytics, right? Right. And so I think that's also the other big thing we'll see in 2017. And, and again, and it came up as a priority in 2016 in the top five as far as what are your uh, what are your aspirations for 2016? Number one response was improved analytics, and I think the fifth response talked about the the other A word, which is attribution, right? So I think attribution is going to be big this next year. Just you know, more investment into analytics and and measurement, because again, if we're going to get all these channels talking together, we sort of have to first figure out. What are we already? What, what's already working? What's already going on out there? And I think that's the first step to, to breaking down some of these silos and bringing people together. Yeah, I can tell you that we've definitely seen um, an increase in people requesting uh, custom reports and integrating data into our platform from several different sources to try to have you know a cohesive picture emerge. Um, so we're we are cranking out graphs left and right over at a, at a post up <laughs> these days. So I can I can tell you people care about the analytics. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure, and, and especially your focus on sort of the acquisition side of things. I mean, I don't want to make this all too promotional, but <laughs> I can say uh, as, as, as an independent analyst, one of the things that we love uh, about your platform, and I think we called this out in our last buyer's guide, but is sort of the, the analytics around the acquisition funnel and sort of what's working in that whole optimization process that you have, which is, I, I think, you know, unique, but also completely helpful because, I mean, it's, it's something that our, our organization, we struggle with sometimes, you know, where should we put more spend as a Twitter or Facebook or wherever, right, as an acquisition tool. So so I think that that's key because if, if we're not growing our lists, right, right. Um, there's, there's a challenge there for everybody. Yeah, for sure. All right, David. Well, um, I want to thank you for being here today uh, and for continuing to be email's favorite uncle. Uh, everyone who <laughs> is not familiar with the Relevancy Group, please go to their website. I believe it is therelevancygroup.com. Is that right? That works or relevancygroup.com. Yep. There you go. All right. And um, they have a ton of terrific research coming out on a regular basis. Um, you can subscribe to uh, Marketers Quarterly to uh, stay in the loop on their research. I subscribe to it. I'm a regular reader and there's uh, some very good stuff in there. So definitely recommend everybody heads on over there and gets up to speed on all the, the great research that you guys are doing. So thank you, David, so oh, much for being so here. Much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Okay, so that wraps up our episode for today and also all of our episodes for the year. This is our 10th episode, so if you've made it this far, congratulations. You're now eligible for a free sub. Just take your punch card to the shop around the corner there. In all seriousness, I want to thank all of our fans out there who have made this podcast successful and so much fun to do. I'd like to thank all of the wonderful guests we've had so far who have been so generous with their time. And I'd like to invite anyone who is listening to please send me your feedback. We're on the lookout for new people to interview next year, new topics to cover, and new ground to break. One last reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Posta. It's an ESP, but it's so much more than that. If you like your ESPs responsive, then visit postup.com and give us a chance to wow you with what some have called the bestest service in the whole wide world. We'll be taking a break for the holidays, but we'll be back in January 2017 to pick up where we left off, and we hope you'll join us. We hope you have a terrific holiday season full of good food, nice warm socks, and scented candles that make you think there's a hot pie baking somewhere. Until next time, email marketers, keep on rocking in the inbox because email's not quite dead just yet.